Well, good evening. It's Wednesday night. I'd ask you to take your Bibles and turn to Exodus chapter 14. Exodus 14. Just a couple Sundays ago, I preached on the Lord is our light. Of course, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. But tonight, this Wednesday, we're looking at the Lord God is a sun. A sun and a shield from Exodus chapter 14. Exodus chapter 14. This evening, I'd like to illustrate a verse by using Exodus 14. The verse is Psalm 84, verse 11. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. Now, God, we need to allow the scripture to determine our view of God, to show us who our God is, to give us our theology. There's a, an illustration I've used even recently that, that shows that sometimes our view um, of someone might not be uh, what we think, um, maybe even surprising. And God is a great surprising God. He often surprises us. This passage we're looking at is full of surprises. There's a story told of a poor, helpless little girl in London who was attacked by a gang of thugs. And she began to cry out for someone to help her. And uh, someone did. A man came running up and with one punch knocked out the first guy. He got a hold of the second thug and pounded him until the second thug begged him for mercy. The third got away. Who was that tough guy? Well, he was a hymn writer. He wrote, The church's one foundation is Jesus Christ our Lord. And yet he had beat the daylights out of a couple of guys. His name, Samuel Stone. And that's not exactly what we think of when we think of a hymn writer. But he was a pounder of scoundrels and putting a, a licking on the wicked. Yet he was a hymn writer. You may have expected um, a hymn writer not to quite be like that. I'll tell you, the truth is, sometimes we have different expectations of God. God is... He is the King of glory, the Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, even lift them up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. Selah. Psalm 24, 8. We're going to see this evening that our God is a sun and a shield. And it is... It is encouraging to know that our God walks with us. You know, when God brought his people out of Egypt, he brought them out, the Bible says, with a high hand. Uh, if you think in your mind of someone whose hands are dragging down low and they just have no confidence, the opposite would be of someone who has a high hand, they come out with confidence and boldness. Uh, maybe someone sins with a high hand. They're sinning very brazenly. But God brought them out of Egypt, out of their enslavement and bondage with boldness and confidence. God brought them out heavy laden with the spoils of Egypt in their wagons to begin their journey into the wilderness. And it was at that time that God gave his people a great gift. And I'd like you to see it. We're going to go to Exodus 14 and turn back even a page before that to Exodus 13. The Bible says in Exodus 13, verse 17, And it came to pass, when Pharaoh had led, let the people go, that God led them not through the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near, 
For God said, lest peradventure the people repent when they see war and they return to Egypt. But God led the people about through the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea. And the children of Israel went up harnessed out of the land of Egypt. Now look down at verse number 21. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of a cloud. Who was it that went before them in a pillar of a cloud? God himself, the Lord did, Jehovah God, to lead them the way and by night in a pillar of cloud, pillar of fire to give them light to go by day and night. He took not away the pillar of the cloud by day, nor the pillar of fire by night from before the people. So, God gave his people a great gift. Don't you wish you had a visible sign of God's presence always with you today? To shepherd you, to shield you along the way? Wouldn't it be nice if you were looking for direction, if just the cloud would move and you'd know that when the cloud moved, that was when you were supposed to move. Where the cloud moved, that was where you were supposed to move. But God gave Israel a visible sign of his presence to shepherd them and to shield them along the way. It was a type of a companion so that they were never alone in the wilderness. It was GPS. They were never lost. They never strayed out of the way. By night, their entire encampment was lit up by this towering LED source of light from above. It was so bright The Bible tells us they could very easily march by day as they could by night. If you look what we just read in chapter 13, verse 21 ends by saying that God gave them light to go by day and night. So they could go, they could travel even by night. And this was God being a son to them. Now wilderness hiking was brand new. It was all new to this generation. They'd been in Egypt. Um, I enjoy hiking through the woods. Uh, We have a little bit of woods on our property. I enjoy taking a hike through the woods. Uh, My son and I uh, last year took a hike through a part of the Smoky Mountain Trails and enjoyed that. But this wilderness hiking would have been hot and a lot different. And their newfound freedom from Egypt was there was a cloud over it with the fear of being recaptured. And God gave his people a sign, the picture of his presence. By way of introduction, I'm going to point out that this sign, the pillar, was public, practical, and ever-present. It was public. It stood out. All the nations could look on and see this. It was very conspicuous. Israel, the Israelites could see it. If they came to the front of their tents and pushed back the flap of their tent door, they could look right there and see the pillar of cloud, um, almost like this enormous tower that went up into the sky that was ever before them. It was heaven's mark of ownership, identifying his people as his own. It was God's banner over them. It's the high king of heaven's royal insignia. These are my people. It wasn't just public, it was practical. It wasn't just highly visible, it was highly useful. It was practical. I believe that it was a shade from the desert heat at times. Um, It was a pillar. Psalm 121.5 says, The Lord is thy shade upon thy right hand. It was a nightlight in the dark. You see that right in Exodus uh, chapter 13, verse 21. It says that it it was to give them light to go by day and night. 
It was also a guide along the way and a guardian from all those creatures of the night. Sometimes when you have a campfire, the the, the light of the fire will keep uh, uh, animals a little bit at distance. And I'm sure it kept some of the wilderness animals away, this large fire of God that was burning at night. It wasn't just public and practical, it was ever-present. Look at Exodus 30, 13, verse 22. It says that God, He took not away the pillar of the cloud by day, nor the pillar of fire by night from before the people. It was never taken away. Ever-present. Kind of reminds me of Hebrews thirteen five. God said to His people, to us, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. Now, I, I don't always sense God's presence. I, I don't always enjoy God's presence. But I know I have God's presence because I have God's word on it. Oh, to enjoy it and sense it more. We don't have a cloud or flame, but we know God is with us because he gave his word. Number one, I'd like you to see in the, in the story of Israel that God's presence left. Number one, God's presence left from before them. Look at Exodus chapter 14. Pick up a little bit of the story. It says that verse number 2, Exodus 14 verse 2, For Pharaoh will say, God's telling Moses ahead of time, Pharaoh will say of the children of Israel, They're entangled in the land. The wilderness hath shut them in. And I will harden, God says, I will harden Pharaoh's heart that he shall follow after them. I will be honored upon Pharaoh and upon all his host, that the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord. And they did so. Verse 6, And he made ready his chariot and took his people with him, and he took 600 chosen chariots and all the chariots of Egypt and captains over every one of them. Verse 8 says he pursued. And verse 9, His horsemen and his army, they overtook them in camping by the sea. The Bible says in verses uh, 10 through 12, that the people of God murmured. And Moses, verse 13, said unto the people, Fear ye not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord. Verse 14, The Lord shall fight for you, and ye shall hold your peace. And verse number 19 and 20 is the passage I want us to focus in on. The Bible says, The angel of God, which went before the camp of Israel, removed and went behind them. Now, who is this angel of God? Well, the previous chapter told us. The Bible says at chapter 13, verse 21, And the Lord, that's Jehovah God, all capital, went before them by day in a pillar of cloud. So he's called the angel of God, verse 19 of the next chapter, which went before the camp of Israel, removed and went behind them. And the pillar of the cloud went from before their face and stood behind them. It says that it removed. I want to point out first that God's presence left from before them. The symbol of God's presence. There was a point when it removed. Now from the day they entered the wilderness, the desert, they had always seen this fiery, cloudy pillar in front of them. And suddenly it's wheeled about, it's gone, it's departed. The glory's departed. Their guidance is gone. And the pillar of fire is removed right when they need it most. It gets up and goes. Now they're in trouble. 
Pharaoh behind them and his horsemen, the noise of the chariots, the battle horses snorting, the shouting of the armies closing in, and before them what but the Red Sea. They're boxed in, and worse than all of this, the symbol of God's presence is departed. What could they do if Jehovah picks up and departs from before them? I wonder if they didn't blame each other. Oh, why did we murmur against the Lord and against his servant Moses? Look at chapter 14, verse number 11. They said unto Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, hast thou taken us away to die in the wilderness? Wherefore hast thou dealt thus with us to carry us forth out of Egypt? Is not this the word that we did tell thee in Egypt? Didn't we tell you, leave us alone, let us alone, that we may serve the Egyptians? For it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. I wonder if they didn't, when the when the army was at their back and the sea at their front, and the, the symbol of God's presence picked up and removed. The removed is the word, it was leaving. I wonder if they didn't blame each other and cry out, Oh, I, oh, I, I would have said, Oh God, forgive us for murmuring. Don't leave us now. Sometimes when God hides his face for a moment, it it uh, causes us to tremble. You know, the number one is God's presence left from before them. Number two, God's presence stayed close behind them. God's presence stayed close behind them. In chapter 14, verse 19, it says, The angel Lord removed and went behind them. He was just as close as their rear guard as he was out front. He might not for the moment be their son before them, but he has become their shield behind them. Doesn't that the verse? The Lord God is a son and a shield. This is, I love the words, this is the point God's presence stayed close behind. Well, it went behind them, it also stood behind them. I like the words of verse 19, that it, he removed and went behind them, and the pillar of the cloud went from before their face and stood behind them. Doesn't that sound strong? God standing in the way of Pharaoh's path. God standing between his people in danger. The Lord had removed, but has he left? Oh no. He stands where he's most needed. Isn't there a song we sing about this very thing? It's, Guide me, O thou great Jehovah. There's a verse that says, Let the fire and cloudy pillar lead me all my journey through. Strong deliverer, strong deliverer, be thou still my strength and shield. Be thou still my strength and shield. So, here is God standing between his people and Pharaoh's armies. And the Bible says in verse 20, And it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel. And it was a cloud and darkness to them, but it gave light by night to these, so that the one came not near the other all the night. Here is God. He went behind them. He stood behind them. And you know, there's... It, it was darkness to e Egypt. I, I wonder what it was like to see God's presence remove and go behind them. There are times, 
We cannot see what God is doing in our lives. We cannot see what God is doing in our country. I believe right now God is stirring up His country. I believe America, God wants and is calling America back to Himself. God has made us uncomfortable. God has stirred us up. I believe He's trying to awaken us to our sin. Sometimes when people are shaken up, they become more aware of their their vulnerability. Oh, God loves, I believe God loves America. He's not willing that any should perish. And he's calling America back to himself. I ask you, have you ever had a time where you could not see what God was doing? What he's up to? Where, he's, where he is? That's when we look back. And we see how the Lord has led us. They couldn't see God's, the pillar in front of them. But they could see it if they looked back behind them. He had removed and gone behind them. Isn't there a point to be made here? That when you can't see what God's doing in front of you, look back. Look at your history. Look at your past. This is, if you will look back and remember and sing how Jesus led me all the way, I believe there'll come a day you'll be able to sing in the present tense, all the way my Savior still leads me. I love 1 Samuel 7.12. 1 Samuel 7.12. The Bible says of Samuel, Then Samuel the prophet, Samuel took a stone and set it between Mizpah and Shen, and called the name of it Ebenezer, saying, Hitherto hath the Lord helped us. All the way in our history up to this point, God has helped us. Now Samuel, Samuel was known all throughout the Word of God as one who could always get a hold of God. In fact, when he was a little boy, the high priest Eli was not hearing from God the lamp was dim in Israel, and there was no vision. Eli, the, the priest, wasn't hearing from God. And when the high priest couldn't hear from God, the little boy Samuel, Samuel, remember his answer, Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. Samuel, from the time he was a little boy, all the way till when he was an older man, was no, one who was known upon, known as one who could call upon God, and God heard him. Psalm 99 says that, verse 6, Moses and Aaron among the, his priests, and Samuel among them that call upon his name, they called upon the Lord, and he answered them. King Saul, at the end of his life, could not hear from God. And who did he turn to? He turned so awfully to a witch, the witch of Endor. And who was he trying to call back from the dead? Samuel. If only Samuel, Samuel was here, I could hear from God. Samuel was known as one who could see, who could hear from God. And yet, here you find him in 1 Samuel 7, looking not forward, not looking to God, but looking back, saying, Hitherto hath the Lord helped us. All the way up to this point, we can see God's working. If you don't see God before you working in, in, in your life, don't descend into despair, O child of God. Don't put your, ha your head in your hands and close your eyes tight, shut. Lift up your eyes to the hills. Look back. Observe the past dealings of God. Hindsight is twenty twenty. What do you see in the rearview mirror? If you look closely, you'll see, as David said, Surely goodness and mercy shall 
follow me. If I look back, I can see following me God's goodness and mercy all the days of my life. I can see those two guardian watchdogs. Oh, they're always trailing along behind. When I can't see his, his fingerprints in my life right now, I can look back and see God. I can see his goodness and mercy. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. You know, this is, this is God's presence had left from beforehand, but his presence still stayed close behind. Look back, you can see him. Number three, God's presence was so wisely revealed. I really would like to ask you to think with me about this. God's presence was withdrawn from the forefront to be visible behind in a very wise way. Why would God do that? Well, many reasons. But I believe one of them... Not the primary, but was that God was about to encourage a great act of faith. This is the wisdom of God. This is one of the few times Israel moved forward without the cloud before them, solely based on God's command. They had no visible cloud, no visible reassurance. These Israelites were about to do something they would never forget, march march right down into the heart of the sea. Who'd ever done that before? And God tells us how it happened. Exodus 15, verse 8 says, The floods stood upright as an heap, defied gravity. And the depths were congealed in the heart of the earth. Congealed means thickened and condensed. It was a miracle. The Bible says in Exodus 14, our, our passage, verse 29, But the children of Israel walked upon dry land in the midst of the sea, and the waters were a wall unto them on their right hand and on their left. Israel went down into the depths of the sea and crossed between two fearful walls of water, and they had no fiery, cloudy pillar in front of them as they marched. This was not a single step of faith. You could say it's a step of faith, but this was walking by faith through the Red Sea, through the floods. Sometimes God does this, doesn't he? Pushes us outside our comfort zone. Oh, I, I, I am a person, we all are, we love our comfort, we love our ease, and America is bathed in luxury. We've been used to having so much um, I, I get so in the evenings, I, I like to search the house. I start prowling for something sweet to eat. I enjoy having a, a sweet bite to eat in the evening. But, you know, God doesn't always make things comfortable for us and easy and sweet. Sometimes the Father doesn't allow us to be comfortable, but pushes us toward faith, trusting Him more from faith to faith. He tries our faith. He doesn't allow us to always be pushed about in the baby carriage. He doesn't spoil his children. He educates us in the school of faith. Sometimes he takes the visible props away, takes the visuals away, then exercises our faith. You think of Daniel. Daniel walked by faith through the fire. You think of the, the lion's den, how he spent the night there trusting God. You think of Job. Who would have ever even heard of him if he hadn't lost everything? Who would have ever heard of the of the the man of God from Uz? Where is Uz? We would have never heard of him if God had not made him uncomfortable and taken away his 
his livestock, his family. He's the man who trusted God. Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. Isn't God wise in the way he causes Israel to look to him by faith? He, what does he do? He takes what they've always followed, the pillar of cloud, the pillar of fire, and moves it, and then just by his command tells them to go forward. And that's the second, the wisdom of God. He causes them not just to take that next act of faith, but also to accept his word. To accept his word. The Lord said to Moses, Speak unto the children of Israel that they go forward. It's just following the plain, bare word of God. This is... This is often you'll have a young man, a young person who, a young lady who believes that they're called into ministry or missions, and, and God has put the burden upon their life, and and this is something that begins to build on them, and but it gets difficult, it gets hard, and there's difficulties in their way, and so I don't know that God's called me, I don't know that I can go, I'm not sure I'm called to go, why not? Is is no one called unless your way is easy? Does God does God have to? I, you know, with my little children, I have to. With my little boy Elijah, I butter his bread, I put the jam on for him. Um, but does God have to do all that for you? Does God have to pave the road and sweep it before you'll go? You know, God pushes us by faith and wants us just to accept His word, regardless of the hardship. He also, I, I see in this passage he causes israel to bear trials they're having to take a major step of faith when there's a trial an army that wants to hurt them behind them oh but i thought god would give me a way to escape trials pastor no the verse says first corinthians ten thirteen. there hath no temptation taken you but such as is common to man but god is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape. But that's not the end of the verse. That ye may be able to bear it. And God was encouraging his people to do right, bearing trials. I see also the wisdom of God and how he adjusted their attention. Oh, he caused, encouraged them to take an act, a step of faith. He causes them to accept him, his word to bear trials, and he adjusts their attention. Now, what they did was God caused them to look in a certain direction. I think this is really important. He closed their eyes to their enemies. Now, Israel lifted up their eyes and saw the Egyptians and they begin to weep and to cry out. They're fearful. And that's, that's the end of the verse 10. It says, they were sore afraid. And the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord. And so God closes the blinds. So his children could not see their taskmasters. If you look at verse Number 20, it says, it came, it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel, and it was a cloud and darkness to them, but it gave light by night to these, so that the one came not near the other all the night. You see how God turned off the lights upon these other, the Egyptians. You know, it's a great mercy when God does not let us see everything. A lot of, a lot of times we want to see what tomorrow holds. Well, 
There's enough trouble for today. Let tomorrow take care of itself. It's a great mercy when God doesn't show us everything. You know, if, if, if God could take your eyes today and open them so that you could see through holy eyes how God sees your sin. And if you could see all the sins of your day, your week, the month, your lifetime before you, if you could see it with the holy justice and the holy purity of God's eyes, would you want to look upon all your sin and see it as God does? You know what? I'm so glad the blood of Jesus Christ cleanseth us from all sin. I'm so glad that if we judge ourselves, we shall not be judged. You know, this is, there's sometimes God closes his people's eyes to things. And God did it here. But not only did he close their eyes to their enemies, he closed their enemies' eyes. Now, what's worse than seeing your enemy? It's when your enemy is watching you. You ever, you ever felt like someone was watching you? Like someone was staring at you? It's uncomfortable, it's unnerving, it's unsettling. And God, God puts the blindfold on the enemies of God. It says that there was a cloud and darkness to the Egyptians. It was darkness. This is, can, can you imagine these strong Egyptian military officers, but now they're blindfolded? like a lion with a blindfold that can't see anything, shivering in the darkness. Remembering, I'm sure these Egyptians were remembering the darkness of the three days that might be felt. It's the same God that's against them. And Israel remembers, no weapon that's formed against thee shall prosper. This is, it is glory because God's presence, though it left from before them, it stayed close behind them. God's presence was so wisely revealed to encourage their faith and accept His word and bear their trials and adjust their attention. But then also I see that that God's presence will soon be revealed to us. We're not far off now from Resurrection Sunday morning. We anticipate one day in the future seeing the risen Savior Maybe a few more months. Maybe a few years. And we'll be in that land of unclouded sky. What a day it's going to be. Romans 13 says, The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. This whole passage is about God's people having God's presence before them and behind them. And you know, God is... He's present with us, and we shall soon be in His presence. The Bible says, in His presence is fullness of joy. God is getting us ready to depart, readying us for the day when the Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God. And it may be today that we'll be with Him. God is readying a people for himself, readying his church. I want to point out that one last truth. 
the same God who was a sun and a shield to his people was darkness and judgment to the camp of Egypt. Do you know that though the light was turned toward his people, the dark side of God was turned to Egypt. One of the most dreadful days is that coming day when those who have never received Jesus Christ stand before him. And they will see the dark side of God. The same justice which is an encouragement and comfort to God's people. That same justice will cause the lost to despair in their sin. Because God, his son, was not received. God is darkness to them. His word is darkness to them. The Lord Jesus Christ, the gospel is not known to them. They've not yet received the Son. And the Bible says, kiss the Son, lest he be angry and ye perish from the, the way when his wrath is kindled but a little. But blessed are those that put their trust in him. If you're not saved, you may call God your Father, but he is not. And there's coming a day when you'll stand before God as your judge. And you must be born again now. Or you will be in the eternal darkness of hell forever, the lake of fire. It is time to receive Christ. And God, you will know him as your Savior. You will know God as your Father. You must trust him before it's too late. Here's how. Jesus Christ has already taken your punishment. He's taken the full judgment of all your sin. He offered himself as the sacrifice, dying your death in your place. And he offers you salvation freely, having paid for your sins with his own life. And if you'll receive Jesus, who died for you, and was buried and rose for you, then he'll save you, bring you into God's family, make you his child, and you will enjoy the presence of God from this day forward and for all eternity in heaven won't you receive him today? And if you are saved, I want to challenge you. Your God is great. He is a sun and a shield. What an illustration of the verse. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. A sun before and a shield behind. We could have also used the verse Psalm 27.1. The Lord is my light before and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? I want to close by saying God may be pushing you out of your comfort zone, wanting you to walk by faith, to respond solely to his word. You may be bearing trials right now. God will give a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. God's grace is sufficient. Does your attention need to be adjusted? So that you're not looking at your enemies, looking at the darkness, looking at the hardships of the time, looking unto Jesus instead. The author and finisher of your faith. He can close the enemy's eyes. And he can open your eyes to himself. Because he himself, the Lord, he is our light and our salvation. Whom shall we fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? In times of fearfulness, in times of uncertainty, the light is still present. 
our salvation draws nigh. He is still our sun. He is still our shield. And he is wise in the way he directs his people. Father in heaven, thank you for being a sun and shield to your people. Thank you for teaching us today that you, God, you are able to shepherd your people when the enemy is behind and the Red Sea is before. You can make a way for your people through the sea. Help us to follow you, to walk uprightly by faith with our eyes looking unto Jesus, in whom we pray. Amen.